Good morning, everybody. Um, thank you for the, he blew my head up about that big now. Um, yeah. There you go. Um, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get started here. Um, as we sit here in this room, I know a lot of y'all probably know this, but in, in the United States, we have approximately 2.3 to 2.4 million people incarcerated. Which, um, and here's a, here's a small breakdown on it. Um, in the federal jails, the, the local jails, um, the, the ICE, juveniles, um, of course, you just, um, just, they're just everywhere. You know, we, we uh, incarcerate more people in the United States than anywhere in the world. Okay, 95% um, of all people incarcerated will at some time in their life, they will be able, they will get out and re-enter society and 45 to 65% will um, go back for some reasons or another. Um, I'm here to try to inform you on, on a lot of the different ways that, that people, you know, they, they go back, you know, the obstacles that we had to face when we get out. Um, does everybody know what recidivism is? Does everybody, it's, um, um, basically, it's it's when you you know when you've been uh, punished for something, and you turn around and you do it again. Okay. Um, all right. What we're going to do? We're we're going to break this down in three different ways. Um, the first would be lack of resources. Mm -hmm. um, the returning citizen, which is is a you know the main course, the main thing would be because of yourself, and the environment that you had to read in that the uh, inmate or the returning citizen will have to return to. All right, um, everybody, this is Leroy. Leroy, meet everybody. Uh, Le uh, I'll tell you a little story about Leroy. Leroy was, um, he was uh, arrested and convicted about eight years ago for uh, armed robbery and domestic assault because he was smoking crack cocaine, okay? He was smoking and he asked his wife for some money. His wife wouldn't give it to him, so he, she, he beat her up and then he went and robbed another man. So they put him in prison and he'd been in prison a few times before, so um, he did He did like eight years. Okay, so so um, Leroy gets out of prison and here in Tennessee, would, um, I believe they give you a something to wear, they give you a, a bus ticket to where you come from, and they give you a check for $35. You know, you can get a long way for $35. Okay, well, you know, like I said, Leroy's been in prison for uh, eight years, so when he gets out, if the state hadn't already lost his ID, you know, you know and all his, his um, moves, his ID will be out of date, okay? So Leroy here, he's got a check with an ID that's no good, so he can't cash it. Okay, so so Leroy gets on the bus anyway. He comes here to say he's coming here to Memphis, and um, he has no family. He has really no friends. He has nothing. So he, But he was um, in his parole plan. He was to stay at the, the local shelter. Well, he gets off the bus, and the, the shelter's downtown, and say about 12 miles away. So, you know, how's Leroy even going to get there? 
Okay, so then you got, um, so let's just say somebody was cool enough to cash Leroy's check for him. All right, what's $35 that's going to last him a day, you know, maybe? So he needs a job. So everybody at the, at the shelter is going to the temporary place to go to work, the temp agency. Well, when you go to the temp agency, does everybody know what an I-9 is? immunization form, I mean, uh, um, you got to have it, you had to have two out of three um, IDs. You got to have a social security card, birth certificate, or a driver's license, or a state ID, okay? Well, he don't have any of these, all right? Well, to get any one of those, you had to have two other forms of ID. I mean, it, it's, a, you know, it's, it's, it's an endless cycle. I mean, if, so you can imagine that how he's feeling. So, all right, he can't get a job. He, he don't have any money, and, and he, he don't have a ride. Okay, so this can lead to two things. It's either, well, the first thing would be desperation. So if you don't have any money, and you don't have nowhere to go, and nowhere to get there, and no hope, your mind starts working. Yes, so sir. you're gonna go right back into the same thing because you're not gonna go hungry. You're, you just can't go without, it's just natural. So you either either go back to what you know, which is stealing, robbing, hustling, or whatever. Or, since Leroy was in jail, he had met some people from the church, okay? And he had been working for them, just for saying this, that, and when he got out, the man in Nashville called the man in Memphis, and he went down to the local church. So he got some help. They let him stay at the little apartment at the church. They got him a job. He's doing well and everything. So he didn't have to go through the desperation. Yes, sir. Okay. So at the church, he made a little money. Okay, so now he's got money. And he's starting to think, okay? You know, he, he would, remember we talked about his, he was a crack addict, okay? And so now he's got money, he's starting to think, and he's got a little freedom. But remember, he's on parole, so, and he's gotta be accountable to somebody. So he's going to his, his classes, he's going to NA, he's going to CA, he's going to, um, um, different kind of addiction uh, counseling. Okay, so he's he's doing all right. Um, all right. Uh, okay, 1.5 million people that are locked up are medically diagnosed as a substance abuser. Um, a half a million that are in prisons and jails have histories of substance abuse, and 85% have some kind of issues with it. Um, so remember we talked about when Leroy first went to jail, you know, he had the domestic violence issue. Okay, okay, that's a, a lot to do that, Bob. Um, so, I just put this in here. If anybody wants a copy of this, I'll, I'll, if you leave me your email, I'll, I'll, I'll send you this PowerPoint. Um, I'd put that in there. But this, this graph right here, it will show that the point one, that people 
that did not have domestic violence issues before they went to prison, when they got out of prison, it goes up. So it's definitely another problem. Okay. Um, so if you're, when people are in jail, say, Leroy did a lot of time, right? He's probably spent half his life in prison. So if anybody has spent half their life in prison, they're going to have mental health issues. I mean, you know, it's, it's just it is. I mean, if, you, if you're locked in a cage and you don't know what's going on with your life, what's going on, you don't know what's happening, you're in fear of the police, you're in fear of your life from other inmates, gangs, you know, you don't know what's going on with what happened to your family when you went in there. You're definitely going to have mental health issues. So to have the, um, you can read this, um, it's over half of people in prison have some kind of mental health issue, depending on your, you know, on, on the local jails, state prisons, um, federal prisons. Okay, then you have parole. Okay, does everybody know what parole is? I mean, um, it's, it says the release of a prisoner temporarily or permanently for the uh, completing of a sentence on the promise of good behavior. Well, that's, that's a little bit of it, but um, I think more people are violated and sent back to prison, not because they're arrested. It's because they don't follow their parole plan, you know? Alright, you know, here's, the, here's just a list of things that you have on parole. Um, you know, you have your substance abuse classes, you know, they make you go to the AAs, the CAs, you know, the Celebrated Recovery. But then again, they got the substance abuse classes, okay, which is um, a private counseling firm that is uh, sub subbing from the state. Okay, and, and once they do that, there is a cost for that. You know, within between fifty to seventy-five dollars a class. Now, if you remember, if you don't have a job, you're messed up. I mean, because you can't take the class unless you got the money. Okay, I mean, all right. So you got to have a job, all right? You got to have a, a, a not only. You know, when you first get out, they might let you go to a shelter, but you got to have some kind of permanent address. You can't live here. You know, one week and here the next, here the next. You know, they, they ain't digging that. Um, okay, then you have parole or probation fees, which is like eighty-five to one hundred five dollars a month. You can't get arrested. You can't carry a gun, and you got to have a plan how to do all this. So, um, it, 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 it's just like the I nine. It's a vicious circle. You know, and, and if you if you don't have somebody to help you, it it's virtually impossible to do. I mean, with with all the the prison ministry volunteers, and the the local churches that are represented here, I mean, if when I got out, um, I did not successfully navigate a reentry for the first six times. Of course, I didn't have God in my life. I didn't have the church people putting the hedge of protection around me and to be accountable for. And I, I mean, I had I had a mom and dad that loved me, right? But they, I just asked for them, they give it to me or whatever, you know? But I didn't have people really trying to help me yes, get sir. to where I need. You know? Okay, so now we get 
to the environment of when you, when somebody gets out. Okay, like when we, we spoke earlier, we were talking about um, when when Leroy got out and if he was desperate, where he would go. Right, he would go back to his neighborhood or to people that he once knew, um, which is not a good thing. But of course, you know, birds of a feather fly together, right? I mean, they don't say it for nothing. It's just if, if um, this would be a good example. Like, I, I, I could not, you know, I've, I've been clean for almost eight years now. Something like that. I don't even keep up with it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but I know that I can't go and hang out at the crack house. I mean, it just, I can't do it. Uh, I, I was addicted to heroin and, and crack for about 25 years. Uh, I've been arrested from, uh, from one end of this. That's another, that's for another day. Um, the thing, what I'm saying is you got to know where, you know. That's right. I mean, I, I can't go hang out. You know, I, I can try to help people, right? But I have boundaries. That's right. You know, I can't go, uh, I can go visit people. And, and I can talk to them at the church, but I, I can't go in, down in the hood and hang out in no crack house or, or right. down the corner where they're slinging dope or, or, or pretending like I'm trying to help somebody. Just, I, I can't do it. Amen. You know, I just can't do it. And so when he, when, say, when Leroy got out and, and he had to go back to his neighborhood, right, he'd had to hang out with his old friends, okay? And it's not really friends, you know, these are acquaintances, somebody that, that is a means to an end of them getting what they want. But they'll act like, hey, what's up, man? All right, so that, and then you got gangs. Well, I never was in a gang, okay? But um, if you go back to a neighborhood and, and, and there is gangs in that neighborhood and they go back to them, you got to fall back in with them. Uh, it, it, it's you know blood, was it blood in blood out that's right and that's the way it is so that's not much you know it's it's really no success there Amen. You know? all right then you got family members well um there's a lot of families that are um has mothers fathers people that are, are arrested with them Right, you'd be arrested with your mother because they're slinging dope too, or they're, um, or your brother, right? You know, you, you know, just say Leroy's brother smokes more crack than he did. You know, I mean, how's Leroy going to go home and be have a successful reentry and jumping in with his brother that he grew up with and doing the same things and expect a different result? You know, there's, it, it's not happening, right? Okay, well that'd be your fi uh, family dynamic. Okay, and then it goes back to your, the community, your culture, um, the belief system, what you believe in, right? Like I, I said in my testimonies that um, my folks, right, are good people, right? For, for you know, they're law abiding. They worked hard. They own their own house. They wouldn't. They wouldn't lie. They don't cheat. They pay their taxes, right? But they're not godly, right? Okay, they're, you know, it's not a, that is the belief system to do right. 
that is not, you know, to be Christians. And the main thing is, do you have a church home? Is when you got back. That's that was my the, the, my reason for success is is God. He come down and he touched me this time. There's no way that I could pull that off by myself. Amen. Or my church home. You know, I mean, everybody that I know now, everybody that I have anything to do with, everybody I work with, they're all Christians. They're they all. You know, I'm accountable to them. They, yeah, praise God that I got them. Because <laughs> if I did, because <laughs> I did not be in trouble. So, um, man, I went through this pretty quick, didn't I? <laughs> okay. So, on a, um, uh, as a review, so, I believe the returning citizen Okay, is his own worst enemy or his own best friend. Is that um, you have to be accountable for yourself and your actions, or the returning citizen has to be. I mean, it, with all the help in the world, that everybody in this whole room can help somebody. I mean, you be one person up here, and every every one of y'all helped him. If he doesn't do it himself or herself, it's not. It's not going to happen. Amen. All right, it's not going to happen. Yes, sir. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. No. What, what, you know, picking on the lack of resources, uh, are there requirements for housing or are there what options do uh, people have in the for housing? Well, um, if you come out and you're not on parole, right? I mean, you have no. I mean, you can do whatever you want. But if you have, if you're on parole when you come out, you have before you go to the parole board, you have to have a plan. You have to say, well, I'm gonna stay here, or I'm gonna live in this city, and I'm gonna live with my aunt, or I'm gonna, you know. But if you don't have no people, you know, you can you can parole out straight to the shelter. I mean, um, but check this out. There's a group in Nashville, right, called the Tennessee Prison Ministry Outreach, and they're opening what the 25th of this, 21st of this month, a reentry center, which will help um, people just getting out of prison to get their IDs, to get a job, to get where they need to be, which is um, a great resource for people. I mean. That are, if it'll greatly improve their chance of success. So, um, okay. So now here's the big question. So what do we do now? I mean, how do we help somebody coming out of prison have a successful reentry? I mean, I I don't have an answers. I know Thomas is.
Amen. Right on that. Um, you uh, you had a picture of Leroy. Yeah. Uh, uh, That's uh, the only thing I can find on Google. Amen. <laughs> 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 hey, okay. Okay. Praise God. Uh, one of the things is I I do want to say, my brother, I'm so glad I came in here and to hear you here, and I know that your heart is so sincere. And I pray that God give you the opportunities to speak uh, to many places because you're not ashamed to share your testimony and sincere. And uh, 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 as Brother Snow was saying, I know that one of the things we can do is try to do is network with each other in the church of Christ. If we can start networking with each other in the church, because trust me, there are other resources out there uh, that is not of the church, and sometimes uh, uh, the Church of Christ is the sore thumb that sticks out, you know, but we can network and we can share information. Uh, take, for instance, where we're from in New Orleans, uh, we don't have a problem with getting these men and women jobs, clothing, uh, to work back and forth, to work bus passes and things and food. We only have a job of getting them some houses. Uh, that, that's our biggest mm -hmm. dilemma. So mm -hmm. I thank God for the brother that uh, you called and they come uh, in the church. Yeah, right. that comes and tended to your needs there because now not only are you being a soldier for Christ, but you're making them proud of you as well because people would know about the church through the life that you are living Amen. Right. right now. Right. So I want to encourage you, brother. God well, bless thank you. Thank you very much. Amen. Amen. And, Amen. and the thing about, um, about you're talking about how they're like proud of me, sir. They're, they they come when when we started the prison ministry at, at White Station. It, it was when it was just me first, and then all of a sudden, and now we have 16 badge volunteers. Praise God to go and, and they're they're just they're so willing. They're just so willing at White Station to come and, and to help and to help people coming in and and they're just we're learning how to help people. Yes, is what it because yes, you you come on say. Because you just can't, you know, you can't come and just give to That's them, right? right? You, you got to know how to help people, That's right. right? I mean, because you can't enable them because, you know, people will take advantage of it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, Amen. Yes, sir. So from your perspective uh, here in West Tennessee or Memphis, uh, what's, what's our housing uh, situation? It's, it's dire. I mean, I, I know of... Um, a couple of halfway houses. I know a couple of a woman halfway house, but you know you're looking at 15 beds, you know, right. or 15, you know, and. I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with halfway house. Um, all right. I, I, when you say a halfway house, it would be a place that would, um, with say 15 beds, right? That that they could parole out to. Do you understand when I throw out to with an address, and they could stay, they could live, and fit and eat there while being helped with their substance abuses, their substance abuse needs, or go to classes, have people, you know, take them to church, and um, try to get them a job. 
So, and there's not that many facilities that, that can do that. Now they have shelters downtown. I'm not sure what the beds are. He, he's got one. Right, the BOP, BOPP Not the Church of Christ. Okay, well, the Church of Christ. <coughs> the reason I mention that, some of the challenges we have with these obstacles that follow the Church of Christ, we'll be at the prison visiting and, and communicating with an inmate, a person inside, and working with them. They obey the gospel. But when they get out, they don't see us. Right. Uh, that's something we deal with in Kansas City area. Uh, he mentioned this morning about how they encourage the church to be motivating. When these men and women get out, we go in there and teach them and share with them there. But when they get out, they're looking for you. Mm -hmm. But we disappear. Did you have, you didn't have any experience like this if they was not the church right visiting well, you? Well, this, the, the last time, I was in a small, a small jail down, down, no, down in Grenada, Mississippi, okay. down home, Mississippi. Okay. And the man, his, the man I worked with, his name was Paul Davidson. He had been in, in prison ministry for about 25 years in Kentucky. Uh, he started in Pennsylvania, then lived in Kentucky, and then he was retiring in the metropolis of Grenada, Mississippi. Okay, so, <laughs> um, yeah. so, what, so what ended up happening, um, that he knew one man in Memphis, and um, this is where I'm from, Memphis, and I'll go ahead, all right, let me explain it. What happened was I was down there, I was locked up for stealing a car. And when I was there, my wife got out of jail and she died of an overdose, a heroin overdose. And what they did, they dropped my bond um, on this one. I had a $100,000 bond on a simple car theft and they dropped it down to 10000 and they let me out. I bonded out. My mother let bond me out so I could go bury my wife. And he, and anyway, the guy that was working with me in jail knew one man in Memphis, and his name was Johnny Chester. And yeah. he had the, the Praise story. God. Yes. And as, as my friend over here would, has always taught me, that is the providence of God. Amen. Because That's there's 750,000 people that live in it. this city. And it's a pretty big city, you know, and there ain't no giant city, but it's a big, good-sized city, and he just happened to live right around the corner from me. And I'd never met him. Excuse me. I got you next. Uh, I've, I've, I've been dealing with this for a long time. I've been incarcerated, or I've been institutionalized nine times, and I've got almost 19 years 
Very good. Praise God. Thank you. 
they made phone calls to Louisiana trying to help me establish an address there that would allow me to transfer my probation back home. Mm -hmm. And they started making phone calls to other congregations uh, who are part of the church in Louisiana, in New Orleans. And we have several congregations in New Orleans. They called, one of the elders of the church in Tennessee called, started calling right. churches all over the place. And those churches down there are all led to Brother Green, who has the prison ministry in New Orleans. And this congregation has embraced me. They're my family. And, and I'm sitting here today doing a prison ministry with them that I'm passionate about, but that they're all passionate about. And I just, I want to make sure that people are realizing as an encouragement that we are working together as a body. Absolutely. Maybe not necessarily in an organized way that may be more efficient, right. but God is still moving and he is providential. Right. And he puts us where he needs us to be as, as ex-offenders, but also as people on this side doing his will and his work. But tell them the rest Amen. of it. Now, tell them the downside. Now, those brothers in Tennessee made those phone calls to all those congregations that do not support the prison ministry. Sure. Um, one thing that, I mean, one of the issues that there is and out now that I'm in New Orleans and part of this congregation and working with the sister congregations, there, are, there is a mentality about dealing with ex-offenders, right. and there are a lot of congregations who are terrified of dealing with ex-offenders. Absolutely. And that's where people like mm -hmm. you and uh, I know Brother Isley work with him too, and Brother Green, and uh, Brother Wendell here, and I think Brother Woods is back here. And one thing about it is that we all have walked similar paths. We have, we are ex-offenders, mm -hmm. and it takes away, takes the element of fear and judgment out of what we're dealing with. Right. But I will also say that as these men have stepped forward in the New Orleans area, it's opening doors in some of those congregations too, and God is moving, and and He'll. He will make a way. So don't, I just don't, sometimes I hear, well, since I've been here over the last 24 hours, I hear some discouragement coming out. And I know this is a hard ministry, but don't, don't get discouraged. God's going to move and be faithful mm -hmm. to what we're doing. We just have to step out on faith and also know that we're planting seeds in people's lives. As we go into these prisons and these jails, you may not reach 100 people in there. You may reach one. But that is one soul that has been saved. And you, don't, and you don't know who that soul becomes and what, what seeds they plant. And right. We just, right. we have to, we have to be faithful to God's plan. That's where our obedience is and let God do us. Okay, yeah, I have two minutes. For I hear they speak, uh, some say how hard it is, how, yeah, it is hard. Okay, but like she said, you can't give up. It's hard, but it's not impossible. Right, actually. Now this young lady that's talking to you, she lived with us mm -hmm. because nobody else in the church down there that were able to take her in right. would take her in because she's been incarcerated. Right. So when we couldn't find a place for her, we know we had another bedroom. Mm -hmm. So we called brother sitting out here. We talked with the probation officer. Yeah, we have a place for her. And guess what? She's been a blessing to us in helping us trying to establish our our outreach ministry, the housing part. She's made some contacts. We hope we can get some fruit off of her. She's been steadfast and dedicated. Those handouts that I gave y'all y'all today, she typed that up and printed all that up. 
and all of those things. And she's very eager. That's what I'm trying to tell you that when we move on faith, we ain't never met this woman. Right. She could have been an axe murderer. <laughs> <laughs> all we know is that the church ministered to her, and that was our obligation. Yes, we in Louisiana. And it was sad to say that people that don't associate with us call us. Thank you. Thank you. Let's thank Vernon for his uh, remarks. Yeah. Thank you.